By the way, I was in Chicago this weekend, and I saw Penn State and Northwestern. Yeah. And old fun fact, where the Express was filmed. <laughs> and then on Sunday, I went to the opposite of the Super Bowl, which was the <laughs> 0-3 Bears versus the 0-3 Broncos, and I was so excited. And they both, I mean, against each other, they both looked like decent teams. Like, they it, played okay. Justin Fields had the best game of his career. It was an entertaining game, not if you were a Bears fan. But I, you know, I wasn't a fan of either of these teams. I just wanted something entertaining on a Sunday afternoon, and I got that. Yeah. Fantastic football game. I mean, regardless of the outcome, that's the best the Bears offense has looked in years. It ha- It was. And this poor guy next to me, about my age, dying a slow death <laughs> next to me. Just, <laughs> you know, it started with some cynicism, and then the Bears were looking real solid. And they're up 28 to 7. And he's having a few drinks. He's with his buddy. He's happy beers in. He's talked himself into Justin Fields being in the MVP conversation by the end of the year. He's he's happy. And then, you know, the, the Broncos score a touchdown. All right, still two touchdowns. Okay. And then the the Broncos go and score another touchdown. Now it's 28-21. He's starting to get a little more cynical again. He's like... His his hands are touching his face more often, right? The sign of of stress, right? <laughs> and and he's getting a little nervous. And my dad next to me says, "You know, I don't think there's been a turnover today, has there?" <laughs> and I said, "No, I think you're right." I said, "One person put it on the ground, but nothing happened." And that was the play where Justin Fields has the ball knocked out of his hand, scoop and score. Game's tied at twenty eight. Right in front of us. <laughs> Straight out of television. This guy is just like, now it's full cynicism. He's like, oh, oh God, this is the Bears. This is the Bears. This is how it's going to go. This is, he said, I've seen this a million times. And then the Bears are going up the field. Then he's getting excited again. Justin Fields is a big run. He's up there. They're at midfield. He's, this guy's feeling really good. Then... <laughs> then they go down fourth and fourth and one inside the 20. You just kick the field goal and take the lead. They go for it. Come way short, way short on fourth and one Broncos get the ball back and just, Russell Wilson and the Broncos march up the field. They kick a field goal. And now uh, that's where the guy goes to me. He's like, but a minute 12, these Bass fans are going to be leaving. I've seen this a million times. They go down the field. They can still tie the game. I'm rooting for OT, right? And then Justin Fields throws a pick right in the middle of the field with 34 seconds ago. Everybody starts leaving. You're in the crowds. And the guy next to me just turns and goes, it's a new low for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> and he leaves. You know, Matt, I got to give you credit. You're good at a lot of accents. Chicago is not one of them. Yeah, you're you're kind of going uh, half uh, JFK for some reason. Yeah, I'm sorry. You're kind of like a pseudo JFK, like Mayor Quimby from The Simpsons. That's where you're landing. Yeah, well, you know, but yeah, he said it was a new low for the Chicago Bears and uh, he walked away. And that was it. And that's the last time I'll probably ever see him again. But- now, is this guy like straight out of the um, Chris Farley SNL sketch? Is he like all Chicago through and through, stereotypical guy? Chicago fan through and through. Thin, though. Not not okay. the not, Chris not Farley. actively choking on a pork chop. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Not having like a heart attack, right? No. Like they did in the sketch. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Uh, but this guy, <clears throat> oh, my God. He was he was dying a slow death next to me. I been felt there, so man. bad. Been I know there. because I have been there too, and I know what it's like. And oh man! Welcome to Three Idiots and a Lawyer. Matt Pfeiffer and Joe Shell. Syracuse drops its first loss of the year, thirty-one fourteen to Clemson. It was a day that's frustrating for Syracuse fans, Joe, because. They looked good at times. They had good drives. They had some beautiful, that Dan Valeri touchdown, beautiful. I mean, great Great. effort for a guy that was originally a quarterback. (laughs) 
really solid. The worst play. thing former Michigan quarterback Dan Valari did that day was throw the football, and he had a couple attempts, and they were not good. Catching yeah. the football, great day. Throwing the football and trick plays, not so much. Yeah, try not to do that. It was a weird day for Syracuse. Two lost fumbles early in the game that just seemed to set the tone. It gave Clemson a jump start on the game that Syracuse just couldn't dig out of that hole. A lot of penalties, 92 yards in uh, penalties for Syracuse on nine different penalties. And then you had the interception. Just a day where it began to rain, and it started to rain a little harder, and then it started pouring. And I I know people are going to try to panic on this. I had somebody... Uh, who is not affiliated with the show, I should point out, not affiliated with the show, uh, messaging me on Saturday, basically in a panic. And I said, calm down. Teams have bad games. You had a bad game. You had a bad game against a team you could have beaten, and you didn't. And there's not much you can do about it. So Syracuse sits at 4-1. and one. They've got two more weeks of the gauntlet to go at, at UNC at Florida State, then the bye week, and then the final five games of the season, which seem much more manageable. But, Joe, certainly a frustrating week because there was an opportunity, and it just kind of fell through their hands. Was this an opportunity? Sure, but but let's look at, at the facts of what this was an opportunity for. This was an opportunity to beat a team that, you know, some people would say you should beat this season, and you know, but still has that air of, oh, it's Clemson. They're a blue blood. They're more talented than we are. They're bigger than we are. They're faster than we are. Like this is, this is taking down one of the, one of the giants of the sport and they're not quite at the stature they're normally at. So that takes a little bit of the luster out of it. Um, so yeah, what it comes down to is like you said, it was a bad game against, a great program that's having a somewhat down year. But if you've been watching Clemson, I mean, there have been, they have signs. There have been signs of them coming to life and, and that maybe people are being a little more down on them than they even deserve. I mean, they took Florida state right to the wire. Duke is a a really good team. And they played sloppy against Duke. Like that was the thing about Clemson against Duke. Uh, And I think Duke would have beaten him anyway. Duke's really good, but Clemson also played really sloppy. They had what? And, and yeah. Clemson played a, a clean game on Saturday. They played a, a very clean game. Um, I, I walked out of there feeling like, you know, the only thing stopping Syracuse from being the better team today was, was Syracuse, I think. Um, the the execution on offense left a lot to be desired. We were inches away from some big completions several times and. I don't know if that's on the receiver running the route a little too close to the sideline or Schrader just not being able to put the ball where it needs to be to be caught in the field of play. But somewhere there was a disconnect on that play. And then you could nitpick the you know, the play calling for continuing to call that play. But the fact is the play was there. That was our point of attack. That's where our opening was, was that ball down the sideline. And we just couldn't execute it. We were sloppy. We turned the ball over. Um, so... You know, we said it in August, you don't have to win any of these three games to have a successful season. And we said it then so that you can remember it now. And it's a little harder to remember it now. And I'm not, you know, I was there. I I sat through that game and I was frustrated. I was pulling my hair out. It was, it wasn't the most fun game, but it's important to not lose the big picture. Sure. This was an opportunity to to build a a special season, but like we've been talking about, there, there are steps in between. There, you're not going to jump right to, oh, you know, we only won one game not that long ago. We can't win consistently. To oh, we should knock off these big teams. If you can go through the rest of the season, you don't even have to win one of these three games. If you win at least four out of the last five, I mean, for Same the four. For the standard that we have set for what we need and what we want from from this from this football team as, as a program, there's there's baby steps. And we, we you know, we get excited, we get riled up and we wanna have that big special season more frequently than, than we're going to. But 
the goal is the goal at hand is still achievable. We can't forget that. And there's still, you know, there's still opportunities for for magic out there. I mean, I personally think the the UNC game is is more than winnable. I certainly understand that we're not going to be favored and that UNC is is a, a, a better team than us right now. But the fact is they have a defense that's ranked roughly in the 40s. And they have an offense that's ranked roughly in the 15 to 12 range. So they have a great offense. They have one of the best players in the country. But we have a defense that's ranked roughly, what, 15 to 20 or so? About. We have have one of the best defenses in the country. And our offense stuck with Clemson for the most part while playing their worst game of the season. So all you have to do, and I, I say all, I know this is easier said than done, but if the offense can play a clean game, and not come out and immediately turn the ball over a couple of times like they did, which to me really was the difference on Saturday. You you can you can stick with UNC. You can you can beat them. You know, say what you want about Clemson this year, but the fact is, I said it last week. They always have monsters on defense, even in a down year. They have NFL caliber talent. At every position. And we saw it with the play that sealed the game. I don't think that was that bad of a throw by Garrett Schrader. I really don't. It happened right in front of me. And when I saw that ball, I didn't say like, oh, great, Schrader. Nice throw, idiot. That was that was terrible. I said, wow, that was an incredible play by Jeremiah, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Mm-hmm. Who is going to follow his father is, into the NFL? Yeah, and maybe, you know, have a that caliber of a career. So... Now we're going to be playing North Carolina where they're a defense where we're more likely than not going to be able to move the ball much better. Yep. And if our defense keeps doing what they're doing, I mean, you look at the points on Saturday, you're going to think, oh, the defense didn't play so well. But if you watch that game, you know that that defense played incredibly well. They gave up they gave 21 up points on turnovers that put Clemson immediately, if not in the red zone in our territory right off the bat. So we gave them a short field three times where they were basically already knocking on the door of a touchdown. So you take away those three touchdowns, defense played a great game. They matched up against guys who were a little more physical than them and a little more talented than them, and they played incredibly well. And in the second half, they only gave up 10 points. Yeah, I honestly think that North Carolina is a better matchup for us than Clemson is. So you... This was our first opportunity, and did we blow it? Yeah, big time. If you, if you had aspirations in the back of your mind, like, you know, I even did a little bit of this being like a truly special season. You beat Clemson. You think about competing against North Carolina. Maybe you give Florida State a little run, and then you really play a clean end of the season. You know, you were hoping for a 9-10 win season here. You know, that's that's not, not going to happen. That's And that doesn't mean that this is a failure. We we keep moving the goalposts based on our immediate situation, which is easy to do, but this is a hard thing to say to Syracuse fans, but you need to try to stay a little rational, like be upset. I know I'm upset. This was a winnable game that we lost because we played poorly and we turned the ball over immediately. And that's inexcusable. We committed 90 yards worth of penalties. Again, that's inexcusable. And those are the reasons we lost. The officiating was terrible again. Like every time we played Clemson, there were several calls that made no sense and we get no explanation as to why they, how that wasn't targeting on the hit on Schrader. I have no idea. I mean, the crown of the helmet hit his face mask and his head snapped back. And I said, I'm okay with the 15 yards. I think that's 15 yards without the ejection. And I thought that's what would have been appropriate for them to look at it to see if they're going to eject the player and pick up the flag entirely. I still don't agree with, I still don't understand. Um, you know, the, the call against um, our special teams for running into the kicker when the kicker extended his foot out and tapped his toe on our player and fell down. Ridiculous. Cade Klubnik getting bumped into because Marlo Wax is celebrating a big fourth down stop. Boom. 15 yards. First down. Ridiculous. I'm tired of that stuff happening against Clemson. I'll complain about it too. Everyone else will complain about it. But we lost because of the way we played. But the, there are still opportunities out there. And the goal that we set forth for this season 
is still there and can still be exceeded. We just need to, you know, see the forest through the trees a little bit. And it's, it's, I know it's easy to get wrapped up in these individual games. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm frustrated too. But the goal is still there. The, we need to focus on the steps that we have talked about for what we really need to, need to do to build a program. And we just need to find that consistent success. And you can't spend the year and the offseason talking about like, you know, seven, six, seven wins, go to a bowl game multiple years in a row. Like, that's what we got to do first. We haven't done that yet. Yep. So you can't sit here staring at a schedule that's still barking seven or eight wins at you and already say this season's a failure. And and I'm glad you said that because that's what I mentioned to this person who was texting me. I said, we're in the middle of a step. We made a bowl game last year. The step right now is not beating Clemson and Florida State and the ranked teams on the schedule. I'd love to do that. And that step is coming. But that's not the step we're in right now. The step is beat the teams that you can beat, right? So for us, looking at the schedule ahead, beat Virginia Tech, beat Boston College, beat Georgia Tech, although that's kind of one of those weird ones. I can't really ever tell who Georgia Tech is right now. We'll get to that later. Um, Beat Wake. Wake looks beatable this year. Beat the teams you can beat, or at least beat enough of the teams you can beat to get to a bowl game. You get the 15 extra practices. You play in the bowl game. Hopefully you win that bowl game. And then with the bowl win, your seven, eight, nine wins. You know? And that's great. And right now, get to a bowl game again. And whether you win or not, honestly, right now, whether we win the bowl game doesn't matter as much. Just get there. Just get there. (laughs) I'd like to win them, but just get there. And that's the step we're at. Beat the teams we can beat. Play hard. Be competitive. um, Which they were, and they got in their own way. And by the way, every team gets in their own way. Clemson got in their own way. Against Duke, uh, I could point to dozens of programs across the country that get in their own way. Almost every program costs themselves a game in some way. just need to use it. You need to use it to not do it again and to Im- improve your situation for, for the next challenge. And for us, the next challenge is, is right away. And right. then again, right away after that. We... Right. And, and North Carolina is, is a good football team. But I'll say this. We've already gone and played on the road in a hostile environment, maybe an environment that will be more hostile than the one we faced. And the offense played very well in that hostile environment and won at Purdue. I don't know if an ACC afternoon game is going to be as hostile as a, a Big Ten prime time. Sold out. I, you know, I, I don't know. I haven't been to Chapel Hill, and I haven't been to West Lafayette either, but I know that a, a sold-out stadium is hard to play in. At night, you know, people get jacked up, you know, when you're playing under the lights. So there's opportunities here. And I would just say losing games like this, I don't think hurts the overall trajectory. You know, somebody said, oh, you know, you you missed an opportunity to change perception. I disagree. If you go eight and four and go to a bowl again, Nobody's going to remember that she lost 31-14 to Clemson. Nobody's going to remember or care. Did a bad Syracuse team beating number two Clemson change the perception for any significant amount of time? No, for two weeks because they turned around and they beat BC the next week. And then the season went down the hill. So it didn't matter. It's just like when Syracuse beat Nebraska in 84, when Nebraska was number one in the country. How many games did Syracuse win that year? I think it was four. So how much did it really change? If you look at the teams of the 90s, and I think Noon's Magician pointed this out last week, or somebody with Noon's Magician. Um, and you know what? It might have even been in the comments, but it was like Kevin Wall or something like that. Uh, and he made a good point. And he said, look at the teams of the 90s. Right now, this team and this program is starting to achieve something very close, Right. A lot of those teams. The 1998 team, everybody goes crazy for. What was their record? 
Eight and four. They were eight and four. <laughs> they beat Michigan. That yeah, okay. They beat Michigan and Tom Brady in the big house. Yeah, okay, great. Before Tom Brady was really Tom Brady yet. And they beat another like highly ranked team, but then they lost some highly ranked games too. And they kind of landed where we are, potentially, right? Just to say that like some of the the glory days memories people have aren't are a little rosier than what the reality was. And you actually may be getting closer to that than you think. It's okay to be eight and four right now. It's okay to be seven and five. Because this program has struggled enough in the last decade and a half that, well, two decades, that right now all we need to be asking for is bowl eligibility every year consistently. And frankly, if we make a bowl again this year, you're going to re-sign Dino to a couple of years. And hopefully he keeps making bowls. And if he does that, I've got news for you folks. If he does that, He's going to go down as a successful coach at Syracuse because he took a very hard situation and eventually through patience and the, and, and if, if this works out, the school's patience, he'll have turned it into a consistent bowl program again. And I'll be honest, he'll go down as one of the better coaches in the history of the school if he can do that. I think it's important that we do acknowledge that at this point right now, he's had more failure than success by yep. a pretty wide margin. So yes. I, I understand where, where your line of thinking is going, and I don't disagree, but I know... Uh, That's why be, I said if. That's right. why I it said if. It would be ridiculous of us to not at least acknowledge the scope of currently. We're nowhere near that. Currently, I we are not. Part of the problem is, and I will openly acknowledge this, I know this is a big part of, of Brett's point of view where he's coming from, is that last year did a lot of damage. The way last year went did a lot of damage for the fans and for the national perception of Syracuse because you you took a successful season on paper and found one of the few ways to make it seem like an actual disaster. Yeah. Because if you look, if you you... Last year before the season, if you told me that that was going to be their record and those are the teams they were going to beat and those are the teams they're going to lose to, I'd say, okay, that's that's a good step. That's where we should be. That should be our baseline right now. But they found a way to do it that was absolutely miserable. Yeah. Because you you had a great start and you won six games in a row. You got your bowl eligibility before you lost a game, which none of us would have chosen. But then to completely fall off the way they did and not just lose those games, but lose them miserably, look terrible doing it. That's what everyone remembers. That's what the national media remembers. That's what college football fans in general remember. That's what most Syracuse fans remember. They they took a took a nice meal and ruined it. They lost six of seven. They lost six of seven, including the bowl game. Um, and and since you referenced Brett, let's let's play Brett's clip. He responded um, to what you said last week, Joe, and so here's Brett. Hi, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I want to respond to Joe's comments last week about stopping the smell of the roses. First, I want to agree with Joe that there is no place for anyone in the fan base who's, who's relishing in losses and waiting to say, I told you so, about the team. We all should be able to enjoy wins. Wins are good. Wins are what we want. Wins are the end goal. However, I do disagree with kind of the, the, the perspective of, you know, oh, we're 4-0. We need to just be celebrating 4-0. The Syracuse football fan base, as you guys mentioned, has been beaten down. And it's been 20-plus years of this now. And I think what's happened is that there's just now a certain amount of apathy, which is why it's difficult to fill the dome even on a, with a 4-0 team with Clemson coming in. But it's also a, a lot of distrust between fans and the team. The The Gerg years were awful. That Those teams were just not competitive. They weren't. And then finally we thought we were getting out of it with Doug Marone. And if you guys remember, that that 4-8 team, I, I mean, how much more fun could you have with a 4-8 team Joe, that was our freshman year. I love that team. It, it was just, it was exciting. And it was an improvement on last year. And then you had 
the next year when they were actually good and they won a pinstripe bowl and they were competitive most games. Then they kind of ran into a problem the next year. They started off good. Everyone, like, we had very high hopes. And then I think it was five straight losses to end the season and no bowl game. But there, there were steps. Um, and then the next year, another, I think we had a share of the ACC, or sorry, a share of the Big East title with like 14 other teams. And we won the pinstripe bowl. All right. Two bowls in three years. This is this is something. This is progress. Then the Texas Bowl win. You know, things were looking up. We thought we were getting there. And then the last two years of Scott Schaefer's tenure, which were bad, and you could see that the wheels were coming off. So Dino shows up, and everyone's, it's high hopes again. And then Dino just hasn't found that consistency. And throughout the, the past... 20 years that I'm kind of going through here, there was never really a moment where fans showing up could trust that the team was also going to show up on a given week. And it's been it's been a roller coaster. And the program's never really been stable. And, I mean, Dino's brought stability in the sense that he's had the job for longer than anyone, at least since Pasqualoni. Uh, but at the same, but like he hasn't had a consistent tenure himself. We're still, you know, he still hasn't been to back-to-back bowl games. Hopefully, that's happened, going to happen this year. If it doesn't happen this year, that's a dumpster fire. Like it better, it should. It, you know, knock on wood, it's looking like it will. But even his teams, week to week, you're not seeing the type of consistent play that you want to see that shows your program is heading in the right direction. I mean, back-to-back bowl games is the right direction. That's good. That's progress. But what I want to see and what I think will help break the apathy that a contingent of this fan base deservedly has is for the team to be able to compete every week so that when they're playing teams of a higher caliber, they could get lucky. And I don't see that right now. It seems like whenever we are playing the programs that are much better, we get our doors blown off, and that's what's supposed to happen, and everyone just says, fine, okay. I want to see us win the games we're supposed to win, win a decent number of the toss-up games, and compete in the games where we're not supposed to win, and occasionally pull one off. Yeah, sure. Dino pulled one off against Clemson back in, what was it, 2017? Great. But that's really the last time we beat a team that was out of our ballpark. And that's blind luck. I'm looking for the type of consistency from teams where you can keep it close in those games or keep it within striking distance of those games so that maybe you get lucky. You're going to get lucky more often if you're disciplined and you're doing the things you're supposed to. But, I mean, it just seems like there's mental mistakes every single year. Drop passes. I mean, drop passes is a mental thing. We all know these guys are playing D1 football, and they're good. They're they're phenomenal athletes, and we know they can catch, and they know they can catch. And it, sometimes you, it seems like they don't trust themselves. It's the millions of 15-yard personal fouls that there's just no need to. You know, Marlo Wax doesn't need to be getting up into somebody's face. Was that a lousy call? Probably. But did he put himself in a position where that call could be made that he didn't need to be in? Yes. And we see it every year. We saw it last year. We saw it the year before. It's just over and over and over again. And false starts, oh my God. False starts, um, special teams penalties, illegal formations, just like ridiculous things. If we can eliminate those things, you know, we can be eight and four consistently, you know, Seven and six, we can miss a ball game occasionally. But if if we're putting a product on the field where any given week we can win a football game, even if we're not the most talented team, then you're going to start winning those fans back, and they're going to be able to start filling the dome. But right now, they're winning the games they're supposed to win. They're competing in the toss-up games, and they're 
not being competitive in the games you're not expected to be competitive in. And you have to overcome that. You have to take the next step as a program. And until that happens, we're going to continue to struggle to put 40,000 people in, even if you're undefeated. Because no, like that's the thing. Like No one expects this year's team to do something special. That doesn't mean that they can't. It doesn't mean that they won't. But it's not really in the back of anyone's mind. At least, or, and maybe some, I mean, some of the diehards, yeah, sure. It's really tough to lose the diehards. We're the diehards. You know, we get on here and we talk about it every week. We might be thinking it's special because we see what this defense can do and how great this defense can be and that Garrett Schrader is most weeks putting together a really great season. But you're not going to get the non-diehards who are like, oh, you know, who have they beaten? Eh, Big Ten team. And then three teams that they expect you to be, oh, yeah, they'll never beat Clemson. And then they never beat Clemson. You have to build on your successes, and it doesn't feel like this program has done a good job of building on successes. Anyway, thanks, guys, for listening. Let's hope that we have a hungry team that uh, comes out strong against UNC and that we build on some of these successes and we learn from that Clemson game and we we move toward potentially maybe a special season. We'll see. Thanks for taking my call. Hope to be back next week. So Brett kind of making a point that that uh, kind of we've already made on the show and, and to be fully upfront, you know, we listened to Brett and then started recording. So, uh, you know, I, I my disagreement with Brett, the only just I mean, I think he's right. I think he's right that the fan base is a bit apathetic because of what happened last year and because they've kind of been on this roller coaster ride. Um, and he did point out, rightfully so, that there is no place for people to be happy for the team to not succeed, right? And that he, he started off with that. But, uh, you know, the one thing I would say is, you know, the, the step he, he wants us to be at right now is beat the teams we, we haven't beaten, uh, or, or excuse me, beat the teams we should beat, which we've done, and, but, but be competing. He's, he's said that we're, we're getting the doors blown off by the big good schools, and, and I disagree with that right now because we're not at the Jameis Winston playing hangman during the game yeah. phase anymore. Yeah. We're, Me, we're, that was getting the doors blown off. That was, yeah. You're right. We're not at the phase where they're playing hangman on the sideline. That was 2013. And, and frankly, that was a team that made a bowl, by the way. Uh, and Clemson blew us out that year, too. This is a much more competitive team. And the past couple years, for the exception of 2020, happened. 2019 is really the only time in recent memory other than this year where Syracuse, I would say, got its doors blown off. That was the 41-6 the loss to Clemson. But the 2018 team went down to the end with Clemson and beat Florida State. It was a down Florida State, but if you want to say, oh, beating the Blue Bloods, well, they did. Now, we didn't play Florida State last year, but in 2019, you know, Joe, you and I were in Tallahassee, and you know, it wasn't the prettiest game. It was probably kind of similar to the Clemson game that just happened. It was frustrating because we were never in a position to, like, win the game. But it wasn't like we were getting dominated. Uh, Cam Akers ran all over us that day. But, yeah, you know, I understand where Brett's coming from. I do. Like, we're not we're not competing with the teams that are, quote, better than us to the degree that, that we would like to. But, right. I think, unfortunately, there just may be a little longer of a step before that happens. And, and I also want to achieve that where we can regularly compete with those teams. But it seems like the phase of win consistently against the teams that you should, we haven't done that consistently for nearly long enough. I think we're still in the process of building that part of it. And, and, and Brett mentions that right we're not consistently doing that yet and and i think that's i think we've said and i think he indicates too that's the step and i think that's the step we're in the middle of and i don't think it's it's being a crazy optimist to say that you see that trajectory that i personally feel like we're in it right now i i don't know like i I wish i had something more specific to point to but it 
it, the program feels different than it used to. The players seem more talented and more athletic. The roster finally seems a little deeper. And the way they are playing, like, they, to me, I don't, I don't have any anything concrete to point to, but I, my perception is that they are more competitive than they have been in some time. And, and I would say, and, and I think, you know, like I said, Brett pointed out that, you know, we haven't done the back-to-back yet. And I would say that that's a multi-year step to, because you have to have at least two years to prove the back-to-back and, and and Brett indicates that he thinks things look like they're going to probably make a, a second bowl game in a row here. And so I think in many ways, I think he's where we are. I think maybe we're just saying it in different ways. Uh, I think we're all seeing improvement where we are sitting here at four and one and saying, yes, we can be at a bowl game again. And I think we would all agree that that is a step in the right direction. And right. then, And then the goal is, do it again. Right. And I'll be honest, I'm going to go into 2024. Let's say we make a bowl this year, win or lose, just, you know, let's say we make a bowl this year. Then I go into 2024 and my goal will be now with a new quarterback, because you're going to have a quarterback change. Can you do it again? And that's really where you find out where you're at. Right. Can you have that most important position on the field change. And by the way, Marlowe's going to be gone too, right? Marlowe's going to be playing on Sundays next year. So we're going to have a, we're going to have a big change next year. Can you go in there? <coughs> excuse me. And do it again. Right. I, th- I think when, the, the main you know, difference in, in where we're at right now with, you know, fans like, like me and, and fans like Brett is that in my opinion, part of building the program and building the winner is when, when there's some buzz and when there's some excitement, go support the team. I know they've let us down in the past. I know they've let us down in the very recent past. I know that. But if you want a winner, then you have to deserve a winner. You have to go. You have to support. You have to be there. If you're just spending all this time holding your breath, waiting for the other shoe to drop because you've seen it before. That is a barrier to building a successful program. Not, that's not helpful. And I guess that's where I'm at is it's, it, you know, we all want the same thing. So when there's a little bit of buzz, if things are looking up, even though, you know, it's not enough to say, Oh, this team's going somewhere. They're great. But you know, if, if the wheels haven't fallen off yet, if we're still on the highway, we're cruising. Don't don't be reading the exit signs looking for the the closest one. Like, oh, they're gonna get off here. Here it comes. It's like, go to the games when you can. Watch the game. Didn't you know? When when things go south, I'll be right there with everyone moaning and groaning and drinking a little too much and and being sad. And and that's okay. That's part of being a, a Syracuse fan. It's part of being a college sports fan. But when there's nothing to complain about yet, don't sit waiting for it yep put yourself uh, out there and hope that you are at one of the special moments of the rebuild i i don't i don't like that so many people need to see it before they'll not even believe it before they'll participate in it right i'll say this yeah and i wish i could get to a game before the last one this year unfortunately just with my schedule today they were great. It was a very good environment. You know, the dome could have been a little louder. The stands could have been a little fuller, but it, it ended up not being that bad. You know, I think there was more than 40,000 people there, butts in the seats. Um, you didn't see, too, you didn't see too much aluminum and on, on big third and fourth down plays, the, the place got loud, but good. it wasn't quite there. I, I was still a little disappointed and I'm, I'm hoping, you know, that some people start to see enough evidence of a turnaround to, to start going to these games a little more. Unfortunately, the first game I'll get to this year is the last game of the regular season. And, uh, that, and you're yeah. the reason we didn't beat Clemson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey, if I knew that, I'd, I'd go to every game <laughs> left. Uh, look, I mean, I think it's all going to work out. I think it's all going to work out okay. I think this team is still very talented. As long as Garrett Schrader stays healthy, and I think that's the big thing the next two weeks, too. Right. 
Uh, and you know, one one of the keys that that gave us a little wrinkle to our offense was the aforementioned Dan Villari, former Michigan quarterback, um, who, as Dino likes to say, I hate when he says this, has an owie. What that means, you know, could be you know, owies have been season-ending injuries. Owies have been never missed a game. Yeah, I I'm gonna hope that. Because you're using the the owie thing, that means it's not too bad. Uh, I, I don't. Gadsden had an owie. No, don't say that. Wallaball had an owie, um, but other guys who didn't miss a lot of time had owies. Guys who didn't miss any. I just hate that he uses that word because it means nothing and it's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, let's do stars and demerits for this game because we haven't done that. Give me Joe. a second to pull up the, the box score. I'm going to mute, and you can keep talking. But Oh, okay. So he's going to keep... All right. Well, let's see. I guess I'll go first here, then. Stars and demerit. So demerit, I'm going to give to the Syracuse team for the penalties. Nine penalties for 92 yards. You just can't do that, especially against competition like Clemson. You can't do that against anybody. That's enough to lose any of the games left. And I know this has been a consistent problem under Dino Babers is the penalty problem. And this has got to be fixed. It's not going to get fixed this year. You're approaching the halfway point of the season. It's not going to get fixed. But, man, this penalty stuff is getting old. Uh, And I would just like to see a little more discipline from the team because – 92 yards, that, if you're in a close game, that's going to cost you the close game. So, that's that's my demerit. Okay. Um, I'm going to give out one of each, if that's okay, since it's just the two yeah, of us. absolutely. Um, first, I'll start with the negative. I'm going to give a demerit to Garrett Schrader. He's supposed to be the leader of this team. He's supposed to lead by example. He's supposed to guide us. And what does he do? He starts off the game, you know, running for his life a little bit, but making some dynamic plays. And he should know that he had the first down and then some, and he should have slid. He should think about his safety and his health, first of all, and slide. But he should also know that once you start compounding spin moves and you've now spun twice, and you know what Clemson's linebackers are like, you're opening yourself up to not be able to take care of the ball properly. And that's exactly what happened. He got crushed. I already talked about how I still believe that was a, a, a penalty and, and we'll ignore that for now. But the fact is Garrett Schrader put himself in that position on an irresponsible play. He should have gotten the first down and gotten down. As soon as the one spin move turned into two spin moves and you're out in the open field now, that's too risky. It's too irresponsible. You're supposed to be the, the guide of this team. You're supposed to be the leader. And you're making irresponsible plays in the biggest game of the year so far. And then you're turning the ball over and giving Clemson the ball right back. When we have momentum, we have a chance to score early. Like we talked about, don't turn the ball over and score early. And he single-handedly caused both of those things to fly out the window in the first drive of the game. It's inexcusable yep. from our leader. I hated to see it. It was very frustrating. Yep. So Garrett Schroeder gets to merit for the way he started off the game. And, you know, even... After that, what what really stands out is that he was gun shy after that, and I understand it. Like he, maybe he was a little banged up, maybe he was a little hesitant because of how hard he was hit. But he wasn't running when there were lanes to run, and we needed him to run, and we had drives stall out because Garrett Schrader would not use his legs to to rescue a, a third down play because he was yeah. gun shy after that hit, and it changed the course of the entire game. Entirely different game if that's not. How the first drive ends. All right. And then, Any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he can't carry that into next week or the week after. He's going to have to... Garrett Schrader's legs and his ability to make things happen and to play well outside of the pocket, and even Purdue's coach has said, that's the difference, right? That's where he plays his best. It is up to Garrett Schrader to lead the team forward offensively. And he is the X factor. (laughs) He is hard to stop. He's a six foot four built like a linebacker quarterback (laughs) 
who's hard to take down. <laughs> and he's fast. <laughs> he's faster than a lot of the defenders he's going to face. So he has to be able to just go out there, and, and he has to take risks, but then also slide when he can. And that's going to be really important in the next two weeks. It's going to be really important in two weeks against Florida State. Right, right. That's the game. That's the most dangerous game of the year in every way, especially if that ends up being the 730 kick. That is the most dangerous game of the year. That is the most physical team we are going to play. Those are the best athletes we are going to play. Florida State is going to the playoff, barring a shocking upset by anybody on their schedule left. That is going to be a game where he's got to protect himself, but he's also got to take the risks. You have to balance that, right? Right. I want to take off and go, but like you said, I hit that first down mark, slide. If there's nowhere more to go, don't force it. Don't turn your back to the defense so many times. Right, exactly. Just, Uh. you know, get the first, give yourself up if there's not much more you can do. Now, if if there's a massive wide open running lane, go, you know, get as much as you can. But uh, so, yeah, I I agree with that. He he had a bad day. I'm going to go with everybody has a bad day. And this was his bad one. And hopefully that was it. That was the bad game. Most quarterbacks have a down game. We're going to say that that was it for now. Who's your uh, star? So, you know, obviously there were some some good performances on defense. So I'll start with the guys who aren't getting the star for some honorable mentions. Justin Barron had a great game. He was all over the field with eight tackles. Marlo Wax was all over the field as usual. A couple tackles for loss. He forced a fumble. Um, and then I, I think the... Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't point out Leon, Leon Lowry, who also played really, really well. But the guy who stood out most two to me sacks. was... Two Can sacks. Two sacks. Yeah. If I was going to give a star, I uh, uh, and maybe I should, Leon Lowry. All right. I'll let you give a star to Leon Lowry because he's only an honorable mention for me. So now he gets an go. official star. There you yeah. go. Two sacks. Hard to overlook. But I, I, I'm going to go with Caleb Okachukwu. Because he also had a sack for a big loss. He had a nine-yard loss on, on the, that sack that he had. But he also had three tackles for loss. And each one of them, I recall, were in very big moments where we needed a stop and we needed to kill some of Clemson's momentum. So uh, he was in the backfield all day. It was a great game for him. Absolutely. And uh, so I think the defense, there's a lot to take away. Very positive yet. Offense, it was an off week. You know, secondary, again, we got burned by a, a couple big plays, but they were relatively few and far between. They were more freak than anything. Overall, the secondary matched up pretty well in coverage. Yeah, which is good. And there's another, I think, step of progress. Because I think in other years, a team like Clemson would have burned yeah. us. I still have images of the first time Clemson came to the Dome since we joined the ACC. And mm-hmm. I was at a school by then. I was watching from the third tier. And I still have images in my head of uh, Sammy Watkins just running past our entire defense with minimal effort. And for the record, Sammy Watkins is special. He's one of the best college wide receivers <laughs> of our generation, for yeah. sure. Yeah. So let's move ahead. Saturday, week two of the gauntlet. Syracuse heads on the road to face 14th ranked North Carolina. This is the first ranked game of the year for the Orange. North Carolina's 4-0, 1-0 in conference. They beat Pitt two weeks ago, 41-24 on the road. They also have a 31-13 win versus Minnesota. I think one of their more notable games of the year, a 31-17 win in the opening week of the year over South Carolina in Charlotte. South Carolina's a nice team this year. And then they also had a double overtime win over Appalachian State, because of course they did, because that's what Appalachian State does. Takes you to OT, 40-34. This is a team that, when you look yardage-wise, very similar to Syracuse. Syracuse is averaging 40, 462 yards a game. UNC is averaging 464. Uh, 296 passing yards to 167 rushing yards. Not surprising when you've got a quarterback that's being talked about for the Heisman Trophy and Drake May. Drake May is very good. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. He's going to be drafted in the spring. 96 of 132 on the year for over 1,100 yards. Now, this is the interesting part. He's got five touchdowns, which should be no surprise, but he's got four interceptions. 
He has been a tad interception prone this year. He had two against Minnesota, and he had two against South Carolina. So, uh, and he was sacked five times against Pitt. Pitt's got a pretty good defense, by the way. Uh, despite their offensive troubles, Pitt's defense is, is decent yet. So, he has not been without problems. I'm not blaming him for his sacks. Uh, that's more on his O-line. But Drake May is is very talented. But I, I truly believe North Carolina is all about Drake May. I know we say that for Syracuse, you know, Garrett Schrader is really important. Because offensively, he is. But there are more pieces to Syracuse that make Syracuse a decent football team. I just feel like if something happened to Drake May, UNC's season could completely implode. Maybe even more so than ours would. I, I don't know if that's accurate. I think ours would implode pretty much if Schrader went down too. But but May just is so critical. and But he's not without fault. And I think... You know, Joe, I said preseason of these three games. Which one did I say I thought was the one that we might pull off? Yeah, bef- before Clemson kind of fell off a little bit, it was this game. This was this was it. And, you know, I let the Clemson fall off pull me to pick, a, pick, pick the home team in a game of relatively even matches. I always say you're going to win a game you don't expect to win. And I say you're going to lose a game you don't expect to lose. In preseason, I said we were going to beat North. I thought North Carolina was a game we might win. And I said we were going to lose to one of the techs. <laughs> or, you know. Still looking at that or, Thursday night game maybe, in Blacksburg. Yeah, or maybe Pitt. And I'm telling you right now, <laughs> I'm going to stick with that. And that's why I'm going to pick us to win this week. Because I think... UNC has a great offense, a really great offense that's going to be a real challenge for our defense. It's the best offense we'll have faced yet. They're better than Clemson's offense. I I feel strong saying that. But Drake May has made mistakes, and they have given up sacks, and he's thrown four picks, and I think our team can make the turnovers that could turn this game. And I'm going to say that the Syracuse defense is going to step up here and create one or two turnovers that are going to give us a short field. And I think the, I mean, look at what the defense for UNC has given up this year. I just want to give this, the opponent scores. All right. 17 against South Carolina. That's good. But then 34, 13 is, yeah, that that's a pretty good job. And 24. Now I don't, I think we have a better offense than Minnesota has, but you know, they're giving up points. And I think our offense is good enough to go get those points. And so I'm going to pick Syracuse to win this game because I think this is the unexpected win. I think it's going to be close, but I'm going to say 29-24. Don't ask me how we get to 29. It just, there got to be some field goals. Something goofy is going to happen. 29-24, Syracuse surprises North Carolina on the road and gets that big win, and gets that surprise win of the year. Um, now I'm going to pick against us against Florida State, just to be <laughs> open. And ju- and I am going to pick against us against one of the techs. I won't reveal which one yet, but you are right. That Thursday nighter in Blacksburg has me a mm, little nervous. So where I'm at right now is kind of weird. Where I, I like this matchup much better. I do. I think we're very capable of moving the ball against UNC's defense and capable of scoring. And I think our defense is more than capable of slowing their great offense down. But coming out of that Clemson game that really they, you know, the team just looked like they were well aware of how important that game was in a bad way. They weren't ready for the stage, and, and Dino pretty much said as much. Some of the guys were nervous. They were playing tight. I'm just not totally sure how the team's going to come out. I'm not sure how they're going to respond, and part of me feels like it may be they're going to respond in a bad way. Uh, part of me feels like right now we may struggle to move the ball a little bit. 
Our receivers may still struggle to get separation, and and Schrader may still struggle with his accuracy with his receivers not helping him a whole lot. I think we're really missing Gadsden these in this stretch, obviously. Um, I won't be shocked one bit if we pull this off and play a great game and win this game. But right now, I'm going to pick uh, UNC to win 31-20. to 20. Mm-hmm. Now would be an interesting one because I feel like we hear more panic from the Syracuse fan base. Probably. And, you know, we'll have the same conversation again where it's like, well, we said in August you can lose all these games. It can still be a good season. And it'll be hard to remember that, but that will still be true. I agree. I agree that you can lose all these, and and I would not be surprised if we lose this game. By the way, but uh, it, I I picked it because I always say the unexpected win, and I just don't know where else to pick the unexpected yeah. win because I just can't in good conscience pick us against Florida yeah. State. And you you know Matt, I, I I know what you're saying, and I agree with you, but you don't always get one. You don't. But it's more often than not, so I'm gonna. Right. I'm yeah, gonna I think it's gonna be close. It. Either way, I think it's gonna be a good game. I think it's gonna be pretty much evenly matched. But I, I think a, a late a late score from North Carolina is gonna make it look a little little more lopsided than it was. What's gonna be interesting here is that if Syracuse does pull this off, we already know the Florida State game will be on ABC. They have put it on a six day hold. Don't want that game on national television. Well, it's on national television no matter what. It's a matter of the time. Don't want it in prime time. Yeah. So right now, if Syracuse loses and and I guess if Florida State loses too, right? If Florida State would drop, I forget who they have this week, it will be a nooner on ABC. Uh, If Syracuse wins, I suspect, and Florida State wins, it's going to be ABC Saturday Night Football on, at 7.30 on ABC. And that would be our second time on ABC Saturday Night Football in the last couple of years. Second time since we were here. Uh, or actually third, I think. I think one time uh, we had a Meadowlands game against Notre Dame on it in like 2013 or 14. Just because they wanted an excuse to have Notre Dame on. Uh, but this would be the second time for us, partially. And, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I just don't see the Florida State game going well for us. I, I Right now, I mean, you want – I mean, I, I'm thinking like 42-24-ish. I just think Florida State's that good. It's a bad matchup despite the talent disparity. And when you, you know, consider all of it, it's just not, not a, a great – yeah. opportunity it's not a great matchup for us it's it's not now we say that watch that'll be the one that we pull the right end. we'll yeah, we'll yeah, drop yeah. the unc game turn around and beat florida hey, state I'll, I'll be just as excited as anyone else but yeah it'd be crazy to to predict it at this point i i agree so it'll be interesting the next two weeks i would just say to everybody don't panic if it doesn't go well you'll have a bye week i know they haven't always gone well either for syracuse under dino but you, you still, you need two of the final five and you're in a bowl. And would I take six and six? I'd rather not have to go for six and six, but if that's what it takes, then that's what it takes. Right. I don't want to lose all three of these games, but at the same time, I think it would be valuable to see that Dino Babers can keep his grasp on this team. Cause yep. last year, you know, in, injuries were a huge part of the situation last year. You don't want to, exclude that but he also kind of lost the team you could see some guys giving up yep and you I can't s- see that again that would that would be no. a, a bad sign for, for no. the coaching staff if they lose the team two years in a row absolutely and i will say uh this is uh, you know i i think i, I think they're still going to pull out a, a decent season here i said seven and five preseason i think it's going to be seven and five or eight and four it's going to be one of those two, I think. It's just a matter of staying healthy, surviving these three weeks. Even if you're four and three at the break, you still, again, you only have to win two. And as we're about to talk about the opponent scores, there's some real golden opportunities to pick up some W's in there, assuming this team can play the way it has in the first couple of weeks. And I don't know, maybe we should just roll into that, shall we? And as we talk about these opponent scores, We'll get your – you can uh, give your thoughts here, Joe. 
so Army, UNC, FSU, and Wake Forest were all on buys this week. I'm just going to shift right to the teams we're going to play since that's more relevant. Then we'll go back and talk about the ones we have. Virginia Tech won. They beat Pitt 38-21. That is as good as Virginia Tech has looked all year. They're 2-3. and three. Pitt, 1-4. and four. Pitt looks rough. I've ne- Pitt's never been bad enough for me to look at the schedule and think about a win. Yep. Okay, Boston College, 27-24 over Virginia. Virginia is the last team in the ACC without a Close win. Close game between two bad teams. Yep, and Boston College sits at 2-3 and three right now. Again, and that's a Friday night in the Dome, which I would argue is the best Syracuse plays every year. Friday nighters in the Dome. So I think that's a good possibility for a W. Georgia Tech loses. This is more of the Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde Georgia Tech. Remember, they beat Wake Forest last week 30-16. to 16. And I said, all right, wait. I, all right, Georgia Tech, I see you. You know, you, you're pulling things together. They turn around and lose at home the Bowling Green 38-27 to 27, to drop the two and three. This is more of that Georgia Tech that you said preseason, Joe. They have no identity. There's just they are Dr. Jackal and Mr. Hyde. They can win one week really impressive and the next lose. There is no way to tell which one shows up that 11th game of the season. I've got no clue. It could be this one that loses to Bowling Green. It could be and by the way, they still scored 27 points. So, let's not you know overlook that. Or it could be the one that beat Wake Forest and held Wake Forest to 16. Your if, guess is as good if as we're mine. healthy, I think Syracuse is good enough to beat Jekyll or Hyde. I hope so. And then just uh, reversing course here, the games, uh, the teams we already uh, played, Purdue, big win this week. 44-19 versus Illinois. That's as good as Purdue's looked all year. They go to 2-3. and three. Western Michigan also went to 2-3 and three with a 42-24 win over Ball State. And then Colgate got off the schneid. Hooray for the Raiders. 35-25 at Cornell for their first win of the season. So the the teams we play this year are really strange because I think they've all had wins that I wouldn't have necessarily foreseen either in them being a win at all or in how they did it. And then they've also had losses that are really ugly. For most of these teams. Bottom half of the ACC is just a, a, a jumbled mess this year. It's all over the place. No one no one really knows who or what they're going to be yet. It reminds me of years ago when they did college football final at, on ESPN. And they used to, it's just before Syracuse was in the ACC. And they used to spin, it's the ACC wheel of destiny. And that's basically where we are. Outside of Florida State, Duke, which, by the way, Duke came so close against Notre Dame. Oh, I was crushed by that. And they lost Riley. And they lost, yeah, who knows what that season's going to be now. Uh, It's such a shame because Duke looked as good as they have looked in years. Uh, But UNC has looked decent. And and, and Louisville's undefeated right now, by the way. So don't overlook the Cardinals. We don't play them, but... Louisville looks real nice this year. Right. But outside of those four, whew, and, and NC State's had a decent start, but everybody else, it's just, including us, are mysteries in a way. It's just, you know, really good wins and then these weird losses. I think everybody's going to have them, and maybe the Clemson game for us is one of those weird losses. But then we're going to turn around and hammer somebody that we don't foresee. Like, I don't know. Maybe maybe we do the opposite of what you and I think, and we're worried about that Thursday night, and we go to Virginia Tech and just hammer them on the road out of nowhere, out of a bye week, and it'll be one of those, well, that's the ACC. Uh, but on the other hand, if Virginia Tech turns around and beats us, it'll be the same comment. Well, that's the ACC. Right. It's just an insane conference. It, it might be. You know what it is? Is outside of the top two or three, it might be one of the most even conferences in the country. In terms of everybody is really close, I, and other than Virginia on the other end, like everybody in the middle, those ten teams in the middle are so close. 
to each other in so many ways. And it makes it really fun, but it also makes it really tough to predict and really frustrating in other ways. It's a crapshoot. For a second, I was afraid you weren't going to say anything. You were just going to leave me hanging there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was not not much to add. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> tough. It's tough to predict. It's always always a wild one in that part of the conference. But this year, especially, it's like you said, after the top couple of teams, everyone's more or less even. And I, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dump on Virginia too much. It's just good that they have a team out there playing football right now. Absolutely. And by the way, they do play William and Mary this week, so. Good chance for them to get off the schneid. Go Cavs. Uh, hope, I hope they get a W. I think that's something that school needs. Uh, right Go now. Hoos. I Go Hoos. I don't think they'd want you saying Cavs. I don't know I don't know why that anyone does that. All right. Go Hoos. That'll make Chris happy. Our right. friend Chris Burnett. Uh, but that's all we have this week for Three Idiots and a Lawyer. If you have the 1990 NCAA lacrosse trophy, let us know. We just want to know that it is safe. Make sure to follow us on Twitter or X, formerly known as Twitter. And you can X or tweet at us, whatever it might be. Follow us on Facebook, Three Idiots and a Lawyer. Send your thoughts to our mailbag, Lawyer at gmail.com. Until next time, for Joe Shell, I'm Matt Pfeiffer. We'll see you next week.